Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this.
and welcome everyone to another episode of True Life Fridays. And I am your host for today, Melissa Palou. And I am missing my other two hosts, Letitia Wong and Thomas Smith. Um, they are uh, traveling at the moment, and so um, they entrusted me to run the show today. So we will see how that goes. But uh, we have a really wonderful show for you today, and I'm very excited to introduce you all to the uh, wonderful guests that we have to share with you and uh, to hear about some exciting things that are happening within the pro-life movement. Um, Typically, we start the show with a verse of scripture, and I kind of wanted to switch it up today. Um, I was reading, I've been reading in the book of Matthew, and I came across something today, um, a verse that uh, I've read it a million times, but today it really stuck out to me. And typically we may not view this verse as a pro-life verse, but um, upon reading and digging and looking at this verse, um, God really showed me um, the value that he places on human life. And this is uh, found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Um, the verse uh, says in the uh, English Standard Version, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And again, I've read this verse many, many times, um, and it, it really, um, again, it just stuck out to me today. Um, Obviously, this verse is dealing with uh, not having anxieties and worries when it comes to our physical needs, to trust God that he'll provide for us in every way. Um, but the latter part of the verse where it says, are you, of not, much, uh, are, are you uh, not of more value than they? They are referring to the birds of the air um, and the animals, uh, those in the animal kingdom. So even from the scriptures, um, obviously we see that there is something very distinct and sacred about human life, and that is how God designed it, and that and it's God's universe, and he makes the rules. <laughs> and so um, we need to follow what he says. And he, he clearly clearly shown us in his, cre- in his creation and um, setting apart man, um, on the sixth day and, and bearing them in his image, that there is, again, something very sacred and special about the role of mankind um, in the earth. And um, God has um, ordained that, and unfortunately we have distorted that in so many ways. And that's why we do this show, because we um, want to see um, God being glorified in how we treat our fellow man, how we... Um, promote and um, value uh, human life. And, um, again, it's um, not something that um, I think in terms of uh, not just the pro-abortion movement but other movements that are undermining that in so many ways. This I think it's been a systematic um, movement, a systematic deprogramming of our brains to not um, see the significance and the value and the worth of human beings. Um, where human beings are seen as burdensome and as takers and uh, not as um, those who God has given talents and gifts to um, create and to um, have relationship with. 
but uh, we've seen a total devaluing of human life. And so, again, this is that's what the show is all about. Um, it's about promoting a culture of life and using um, our our minds and the scriptures and all the resources that God has given us to promote that message that life is sacred. And um, as you'll see on the show today, there's different uh, ministries and different people and different ways that God is getting the message of life out. And we are just one avenue, and we are just happy to be here to um, bring you um, knowledge and, and information about resources out there um, and what God's doing in restoring the culture of life to our country and to our world. So with that said, we'll, we'll jump into the show. And um, I did, before I bring on our first guest, I did want to share with you all um, a story that I ran across this week. And uh, many of you may have uh, may be aware of this already. Um, when I When I read this, story, um, this article um, from the Washington Times, I, I thought that this was, was a hoax. I thought that this was something from the onion. I um, could not believe it, but I did some research, and it was absolutely factual in every way. Um, the title uh, from the article on the Washington Post is, D.C. Abortion Fund Thanks Donors with Coat Hanger Pendants. And I'll read just a, a portion of this. Um, it says, a Washington, D.C. nonprofit that helps local women fund their abortions is offering its donors a gruesome little reminder of what their cherished contributions may prevent. Donors who sign up to give a $10 monthly um, gift will receive a D.C. Uh, abortion fund coat hanger necklace as their way of saying thank you. Um, visit. You can visit their online page, donate, and you will get your coat hanger and a special dedication box. Now, again, when I read this, I thought for sure that this was a joke, but it, it unfortunately is not. Um, if you go to the D.C. Abortion Fund page, um, that offer remains. I guess that they ran this campaign also in 2009, but they are bringing it back, or they just brought it back um, this month. So um, this... This actually has some pro-choicers and pro-abortion advocates actually cringing. Um, they are actually calling this a distasteful move on the part of the uh, D.C. Abortion Fund. I couldn't agree more. Um, could you imagine <laughs> wearing a coat hanger necklace and someone asking you, you know, well, where would you get that from and, and how would you get that, and having to explain to them that you got this necklace by helping to fund abortions? I mean, can you can you imagine what what type of conversation that would that would um in, would open up and um, how uh, people would view that? Obviously, um, who would really want to wear such an image? Um, I thought about this. Um, think about this. If someone wanted to promote suicide prevention, would it wouldn't it seem far fetched for them to go around with a bullet around their necks or? some sort of symbol um, that people use to commit suicide, you know, pills or something of that nature. Um, it really would make no sense, which lets me know that this is not about awareness as much as it is just about propaganda. And we know how the abortion uh, movement, how they have used the coat hanger and the fear of the back alley abortions to further their agenda, and it's, it's all based in fear. Um, this is a quote um, from someone in leadership from the D.C. Abortion Fund, and she says, 
The coat hanger is a reminder of women's suffering when abortion is placed out of reach. It is a promise from reproductive justice advocates to never go back to the grotesque world our anti-choice opponents are striving for, a world without safe access to abortion, where women might have to resort to horrific alternatives like a coat hanger. That's why our supporters love the pendants and wear them as a point of pride. Okay? So, again, they wear these... They wear these as a point of pride, and she considers the coat hanger approach, uh, which if you do your research, um, you'll find that um, this is an exaggerated claim that tens of thousands of women um, uh, participate in back alley abortions and die from back alley abortions. Um, Just do the research, and uh, you'll see otherwise, that the facts state otherwise. But um, nevertheless, this is to be worn as a a symbol of pride. So um, think about this. Why not wear a necklace with a pair of scissors on it? Um, since scissors are used to rupture the brain of an unborn child during the partial birth abortion procedure. Um, what about a suction device? Uh, as we know, the suction device tears apart the unborn child limb by limb. So if they're so proud of what they are promoting and they're so such outspoken uh, proponents and supporters of abortion, why not be intellectually honest? about what it is that you really support, which is obviously the murder of the unborn. Another point that that, um, really uh, um, kind of stuck out to me as well, the abortion crowd claims that abortion is a very personal and a very serious decision, but yet they glamorize it and they trivialize it in this way with a silly pendant, um, with a a symbol on it that they supposedly uh, hate, Um, but yet they... um, claim that this is a very personal issue and a very personal matter, um, this total hypocrisy. We continue to see this progression of public flamboyancy and utter tastelessness on the part of the pro-abortion community. This isn't new. Um, we saw it with Planned Parenthood's Valentine's campaign. Do you all remember that? Um, the, the condom in the ring box and uh, with the slogan, will you be my birth control for Valentine's? Um, Cecile Richards, um, during Valentine's, holding the placard and tweeting what women need for Valentine's, safe and legal abortion. So we continue to see this progression um, and, and again, this utter tastelessness and classlessness um, from from that crowd. Um, What is this really about? Is this really about empowering and respecting women? Is this campaign about that? I don't think so at all. Um, what this abortion fund is doing is it is encouraging the responsibility of women. It's not encouraging the empowerment of women. Again, go ahead, make your bad choices in regards to your sexuality. Sleep around. We're here to pay and clean up the mess should you end up pregnant as a result. How does that empower women to think and to make good decisions and to be strong and independent? It doesn't. The thing is that when abortions aren't available, most women do the right thing. They don't have abortions. And what we're being told by this group is that, well, actually in a quote here, they say that they affirm that women are decision makers. They're good decision makers and that they should have a choice and that women's rights should not be um, hindered based on their wallet. If they think that women are good decision makers, why, do they, why is it that they um, are presupposing that if abortions are made illegal that women will just run and go and get these back alley abortions Um, participate in an illegal activity if they really trust that women are good decision makers? Why not trust women to do the right thing and to make the right choices and to obey the law? They don't trust women. They, They trust their own agenda. 
Um, so th that's pretty much all that I had to say about that. There's so many um, there's so many things that we could add, but wearing this horrific image around your neck um, is is not something that is empowering. It's not something that um, uh, helps women. Um, in fact, they're ignoring the women who have died from so-called safe and legal abortion. Over 400 of them. They don't wear anything commemorating Tanya Reeves, um, who you know they just settled a, a lawsuit with Planned Parenthood out of court, obviously, for for uh, confidentiality purposes. But they let, but basically, Planned Parenthood in Chicago let her bleed to death, and they did nothing for hours. So they don't commemorate those sort of uh, issues associated with abortion. They just, they just have an agenda, and um, I really um, uh, I'm not surprised. I think that we are going to start to see more and more and more um, of this uh, flamboyancy and the envelope being pushed. And um, I think that as a result that we have the opportunity to talk to people about abortion when these stories come up and to really um, discuss the flaws with that position and how um, utterly foolish it is to promote that uh, that agenda and how foolish it is uh, to take the lives of innocent children um, and how our God views those issues. So that's all that I had about that. Um, again, um, Thomas Lentish, if they were here, they would have a lot to add. Um, but, but since it's myself, I feel like I'm having a one-way dialogue um, as opposed to the three of us um, discussing these issues and really panning them out. But um, I hope that um, we can get some more dialogue going in our chat room if you feel Feel free to, to post in there and um, to share your thoughts on this uh, story as well. Um, I did want to go ahead and start with our first segment and uh, bring in our first guest. And our first guest is Mark Cochran. Mark is the director of a amazing new pro-life short film called First Do No Harm. And I'm really excited for him to share with you all about this project and um, to find out how you can help to get the word out and help support this project because it's definitely, definitely worthy of your support. And we need to get this movie out and in, uh, in, in, in the public so that people can see it and think about the, the issue of, of pro-life and the sanctity of human life. So, Mark, are you there with us? Yes, I am. Thank you, Melissa. You're very welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know that I notified you notified you on short notice <laughs> um, to invite you on the show, and I'm so happy that you were able to um, come on the show with us today. Now, you're currently in L.A. right now, correct? I am currently on I-91, heading uh, <laughs> to Riverside, California, for a meeting, <laughs> but uh, hopefully you can hear me okay and the road noise is not yes. too, too uh, disconcerting. Uh, I want to just say something real quickly about the story that you just yes. spoke about. Um, you know, you think about all the atrocities that have gone on throughout history, mm -hmm. from uh, the atrocities that went on in Nazi Germany and even in South Africa, where mm -hmm. uh, actually tires were used to put around people's necks and they were burned mm -hmm. alive. Would we wear little tires around a necklace just to commemorate mm -hmm. or to... Uh, or right. little bottles of Cyclone D gas to commemorate uh, <laughs> gas chambers. It's just this is not exactly. only is it it's bizarre and grotesque mm -hmm. that uh, that they would do something like this. It just it goes to show you that when we are disconnected from the moorings of biblical truth, that mm -hmm. that what man can stoop to is just unbelievable. Absolutely. And I think you made a you made a great point early on, and that is that. 
God being the creator, he can make the rules. And the bottom line is men do, men do not want to be under the rule of God. And so Absolutely. when they uh, when they don't, they they spin out of control and anything can, can happen. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. Um, they are using this as a method of, to scare people, and um, and they're not helping anyone in the process. And obviously, uh, all the babies who have died as a result of abortion, they just dishonor them even more by uh, by such a silly campaign. Um, yeah, even what's like, interesting, yeah. too, is that they, the, the pro-choice or pro-death people love to, to talk about how terrible it is that pro-choice or pro-life people hold up a picture of a dead baby Mm -hmm. as if that's somehow horrific and I I don't see any difference in what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's not why you had me on. I don't want to... No, I I appreciate your thoughts. Like I said, normally when when my other two hosts are here, we have a lot more discussion um, with the opening monologue, so I really appreciate the feedback, actually. (laughs) Let's me know I wasn't way in left field somewhere, so... (laughs) No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Well, great. Well, again, it's so awesome to have you on. And um, tell us about um, just, well, tell us about yourself. Tell us how you became so actively pro-life. Um, how it was that you came to really care about this issue? Well, uh, this has been an issue that I've been concerned about certainly for many, many years. And I, I think it's incumbent upon every believer uh, mm-hmm. to support life. So, although I was not involved in the pro-life movement, per se, although I've certainly mm-hmm. been a supporter, uh, both financially and uh, and philosophically and prayerfully. But uh, I've been a, a video and film producer for a number of, for close to 30 years now. And uh, okay. this this particular story was something that just struck me after the, the uh, horrific scene at Sandy Hook in uh, Newtown, mm-hmm. Connecticut, 20-something people were, were gunned down. And I got to thinking about that scenario and how mm-hmm. when that happens, uh, we have prayer vigils, we build shrines, the whole nation comes to a halt. And those are all mm-hmm. appropriate responses to something like this. But this goes on every day in abortion clinics, and it's a non-event. And right. that... I've been struggling with my mind how to, in my mind, how to reconcile those two things because uh, it, it seems bizarre and insane that we can get upset about one of those things when 20-something people are killed, and yet mm-hmm. when 4,000 a week are murdered, we we don't even mention it. Of course, I understand part right. of it because behind closed, behind closed doors, we don't see it. Uh, the news isn't covering it. But uh, but the church should be better than that. We should absolutely. We should, we should see it for what it is. Right. When so. it's estimated that one in four women have ha- have had an abortion, um, you know, one in four women um, since nineteen seventy three have had an abortion. Um, right. There's there's a lot of hurting women in our churches who have uh, gone through through this, and yet there's nothing uh, there's nothing to mention about it, and therefore their healing doesn't take place. So I right. absolutely think and you're I right think about the church. That's part of the problem, I think, is the church, because there's so many, even in our own pews, that mm-hmm. have been touched by this, we, instead of hitting it head on and offering the comfort and redemption and, and the, the road to repentance 
and restoration. Instead, we just don't talk about it. And so right. there are women sitting in our, sitting in our pews, but in, from that, they internalize that this must be so horrific that even I, that there's no redemption. Mm-hmm. Nobody's wanting right. to talk about it. But, uh, part of the main reason that we we did this film really was to get mm-hmm. this whole discussion kind of re-energize the church and mm-hmm. and others to talk about this issue and give them some ammunition to talk about it in a way that they haven't had before. Absolutely. So so again, with your past, you said that you have been involved in film for a number of years. Tell us about that, about your your film career and how that how that kind of got going and and your interest in this area. Yeah. Well, my film, quote-unquote, film career has been relatively new. I've been involved in corporate industrial video production since 1984. Okay. And uh, worked on a, a feature film in 2010 uh, and just kind of got the bug for that type of production as opposed to just, you know, kind of boring corporate industrial uh, video production. And so, right. uh, And I've done... Do a lot of television as well, but mostly on the audio side. There's a lot of field audio production for a lot of shows that probably you may have seen. Things like Bridezillas and Doomsday Preppers, and a lot of a lot of those kind of shows. But okay. uh, but this this story just kind of I guess uh, was just dropped in my lap by the Lord, I suppose, and mm-hmm. and uh, I felt like it's a story that needed to be told. So. We kind of stepped okay. out on faith, and, and we're uh, we're walking day by day to see where the Lord's going to take us. Right. So, without giving us too many spoilers, kind of tell us about the movie itself or your film. Uh, well, um, it's a story about a, a Hispanic elementary school janitor. That uh, the backstory for him is he and his wife have been married for a number of years. They they have not been able to have children of their own. And so as a result, he's kind of adopted all the kids in the school as, mm-hmm. as his kids. He loves them. They love him. He has a very very close and special relationship with them. And mm-hmm. the, the film opens up on the last day of the school year. So everybody's okay. happy about summer coming and the plans they're going to make. And that, that last day, there's a school shooting. And uh, Jesus, our hero, ends up finding himself face-to-face with a shooter and has to make a decision about how to, how to deal with that. And he ends up stopping the shooting and but in in all that he he uh later has to face the the kind of the gruesome reality of abortion and he starts to put two to two together and, and starts comparing one with the other and sees uh, in his own mind he asks the question, what's the difference? And that's the whole purpose of the film is to have people ask that question. Right. Yeah, so along um, the way there's, there's some twists and turns along the way to keep the audience interested in, and and I, I think you just saw it this morning is that right I I did I did and I was glued it was it was amazing the the, the storyline and the plot and how it all came together was really really awesome and um I, I highly highly recommend the film and I'm so happy that you did it I think you know one of the things I love about it is that it does like you said it's going to promote discussion and I'm all about that. Um, yeah. I think sometimes so we – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. on that. Well, just one of the things that people have said to us is one of the things they like about it is it really is not real judgmental in the, in the point mm-hmm. that it points anybody out. It just asks the question. And, of course, 
those of us that are thinking right about the issue will come up with the right answer, but uh, it forces you to kind of think through that, the issue of what's the difference between an actual, what the, what the world would call a murder and what, of course, we know the scripture and the Lord feels is murder of the unborn. Right. Yeah, um, again, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, I'm all about opening the floor for dialogue. And the more avenues that we have to do that where we can um, sit down with those who either disagree with us on this issue or maybe those who are even apathetic about this issue, um, the more um, resources that we have to open the door to talk about this, the more um, the more we win because we have truth on our side. And it's like you said earlier, um, a lot of times our churches um, and our pastors are silent on this issue, and then people continue to suffer, and no one knows the truth. No, no one knows how to think about the, this issue. And so, um, by talking about it and getting the message out there, um, it gives us more ammunition to spread the truth. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. we're hoping that uh, people will be able to use this just for that purpose. So. Right, and now tell us where you are in terms of the the film itself, with the development, with um, the promotion, or or where you are in that. Well, excuse me. Well, we have uh, we had a, a premiere in Greenville, South Carolina, the fourth okay. of this month, and uh, we had roughly a thousand people uh, at the premiere, and we have since released the film on DVD, and that can be obtained at our website, uh, which is www.fdnh, that's the first letter of the film, first thing no harm, fdnhfilm.com, and you can go there, and you can see the trailer, and you can see uh, there's some videos there with interviews with cast and crew, and uh, all those kinds of things, and you can you can get you can buy the DVD there. You can buy one of our really cool baseball caps with the First Home you know, logo on it, and later there'll be T-shirts up there. Uh, but uh, so, and what we're doing now is trying to work with churches and crisis pregnancy centers to uh, to okay. help them in their fundraising and education efforts and that kind of thing. Great. So so definitely funds um, w- would help right now, obviously, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We we have. Uh, we really didn't have anybody underwriting this, so so uh, finances are are pretty tight. So mm-hmm. that's something we're we're certainly looking for folks that will be willing to partner with us on that. And and you can do that on the website. There's a button right there where you can donate. And we certainly would appreciate that. Great. Um, I'm also one of the things I'm really excited. I'm I'm not artistic, so God did not bless me with the gift of art or. Um, theater or anything like that and I'm okay with that <laughs> but um I'm I'm always excited when I see people who have those talents um using them um in the art, you know using the arts for for God's glory and um sure. for for good um do you see um a move in that direction um in terms of our culture now within the church and support for that growing well I certainly the christian film so-called Christian film industry is growing. Uh, there's a lot more of that, and, and part of that technology has certainly allowed that because it's uh, it's easier to do now than it used to used to be. And people are breaking out of the Hollywood system. There's a lot of films being made all over the country, so that's being mm-hmm. done. Of course, the you know the problem when you have that is the same as anything else. It's a mixed bag. You know, there's some good ones out there, mm-hmm. and there's some that are that are not so good. But 
uh, we we are actually working with this film too to, to uh, our plan is hopefully to expand it into a full length feature film as well. Right. So that's kind of kind of next on the agenda once we get this out in the in the people's hands and uh, it is able to do what it's supposed to do. Right. We're working that's, on. That's awesome. We'll be submitting to a lot of film festivals here in the next week or two, and uh, hopefully okay. that you know be well received there and and maybe bring a little more attention to it as well. Great. Well, um, and what what are you guys all uh, up to in LA? Um, kind of some promotion as well out that out there. We are. We we've been meeting with uh, leaders of uh, pregnancy care centers and uh, mm. talking to some pastors, and we're actually going to be screening the film uh, tomorrow night at a gala for Nightlight Christian Adoptions, which is a, a nationally uh, a nationally positioned adoption agency. So mm. they have a big gala tomorrow night. We'll be showing it there, and, and they're going to help us kind of get the word out with, with people that they know and are connected with. So we're, we're excited about what the Lord is, has done and is, is doing. Uh, the key to, to this for us, though, and, and you're really mm. helping us here, is just to get the word mm. out, you know, that. Right. That's what we need. Right, absolutely. Right. I'm thankful for Isaac Cinnamon. I know that um Isaac uh that's he kinda connected us. Um and I yeah. know that um he is doing a great job of uh getting the word out there and helping you to um you know, get this film before people and so I I'm grateful that God's using you both to uh, you know, to spread this message as well. Well, nobody does it by themselves, and it's it's right. people like Isaac and and yourself and others that are willing to uh, to tell people about it that will it'll make it uh, make it work. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, again, I I saw the film, everyone, and I completely support it. It was a wonderful message. It will definitely um, start di- open open the doors for dialogue again, which is a starting point that we can use. And um, uh, I will actually post the information for Forest to No Harm um, on our website as well as um, on our Facebook page. And I'm actually doing that in our chat room right now as well, um, kind of multitasking. <laughs> um, but definitely um, go to the page, um, visit the website, um, support this film, and spread the word like uh, – like Mark said, getting the word out is, is important, and we can really use uh, this film uh, to change hearts and minds on this issue of abortion to get people thinking. So I, I absolutely thank you so much um, for taking time out to come on the air well, with us. I know that you. you're, again, between meetings and have a very busy schedule, and there's a time uh, difference as well, <laughs> being out on the yeah. West Coast. Um, can, so I, that can, means, I give you a, can I give you our website one more time? Yes, please do. It's www.f, as in Frank, D as in dog, N as in Nancy, H as in Howard, fdnhfilm.com. And there's a, just a ton of information there that you can get and, and share. Great. Well, wonderful. Everyone, please check it out. You will not be sorry. And I thank you so much, Mark, for, again, taking time to come on the air with me today, um, and to especially on such short notice. <laughs> um, and uh, Well, my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, you, I'll be praying for your time out in uh, California and praying that it's productive and that God uh, sends you a multitude of supporters and um, that lives will be saved and changed through this, through this movie. Thank you so much for your, your gracious time, and uh, I, I uh, look forward to maybe talking to you again as things develop. Absolutely.
God bless you both. God bless God bless you, Isaac. I know you're listening in. <laughs> um, you guys have a wonderful trip out there. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks again. Bye bye. Well, folks, remember to support this film. Um, remember to um, spread the word. And that's what we can do. That's, that's what this show is about, is about connecting um, people to resources and to equipping uh, you all with resources to help you in your various pro-life ministries um, and, and just in your everyday life as you um, go out and uh, talk to people about uh, the, the issue of the sanctity of life. Um, we need we need films like this. We need um, resources like this to help and to get an, uh, this message in front of people. So we're so excited um, for this, and we need to take advantage of this opportunity that God's given us to uh, help and support uh, this uh, film as well. So. Again, that was a wonderful interview, and you will find resources on our website and on our Facebook page in regards to um, uh, the film. And thank you so much, uh, Mark Cochran, for being with us today. And we are going to actually switch gears. Um, I have another special guest with us today, and uh, I'll, I'll tell the story after I bring her on um, how we, uh, how I came to know uh uh, Bud and Tara Shaver, um, and just I've been following them for such a, a period of time now, and, and the great things that they're doing out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, to spread the message of life and to uh, get abortion out of their city. And I think that they uh, have some wonderful um, tools and ideas to help all of us in the movement to get abortion uh, out of our cities and out of our country and uh, to end abortion. And Tari, are you there? Yes, I sure am. Okay, and you know it's so fun. I meant to ask you: Is it Tara or Tara? Because it's Tara. It's Tara. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I uh, That's okay. completely. You know, I, I've read your name so much, but um, wanted to make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. Um, welcome to True Life Fridays Radio, and uh, Tara is with Project Defending Life, and her and her husband are. Uh, are just devoted activists um, out in Albuquerque. And, uh, Tara, you can kind of maybe share with us some of your uh, your work and how you guys kind of got started in the movement and how you got so passionate about this issue of uh, promoting the sanctity of life. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me on today. Absolutely. It's an honor to be able to let people know what's going on in our neck of the woods. Um, my husband, Bud, and I are full-time pro-life missionaries, uh, but definitely activists at heart. And so Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how we got involved, you know, I just have Mm -hmm. to to lay it in God's hands because he, you know, well, Bud was raised in the church. I wasn't raised in the church. And we met at a Bible college. And believe it or not, um, throughout our several years at Bible College, we never heard about abortion at all. Mm, and I that's think not we surprising, were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're the typical Christian that doesn't really think about abortion because it never affected us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, nonetheless, God was able to penetrate our hearts. I actually, we, well, both of us, we went to a Christian festival every summer in Southern California and lo and behold, the last year that we went to this festival, um, I passed by a survivors of the abortion holocaust table, and I snatched up a bunch of their literature and still 
walked away blindly, didn't know what it was about, mm-hmm. but it was really mm-hmm. intriguing. Read the information, it was really just cut to the heart. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, this is, you know, 3,500 babies are dying every single day in our country, and this is what abortion does to women and mm-hmm. all the spiritual implications. And so it was one of those God moments where we had um, been enlightened and we couldn't move forward and do nothing. So here we are seven years later, um, (laughs) we were asked asked to come and work with uh, Project Defending Life. Our last stop was Wichita, Kansas. We were working with Operation Rescue. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've been trained by the best and um, really just thankful to be used by God and definitely want to encourage the listeners to really pray and ask God to convict your heart on how you can get involved in helping to save human lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that I met you all, well, I, um, me and Bud and I, during uh, the passing of uh, Courtney Blythe Gordon um, in 2011, uh, and she was a mutual friend of, of I know, yours and Bud's and, and of me as well, and you guys had, had did ministry with her at Survivors and so it was during her passing away that I came to be familiar with you two and your ministry. And, um, and coincidentally, a, a number of other um, pro-life missionaries and activists around the country I came to know and be connected with um, through her, her passing. And I think that that says so much about Courtney and her life and her legacy that, um, you know, even in death that she connected a lot of people and ministries and resources together. So um, Yeah, I miss her. Oh, absolutely. Miss her a lot. <laughs> very, very much, and I'm thankful for her influence in my life because she really helped me to to get going in this uh, area as well. So, um, yeah. But let's let's talk about Project Defending Life and what you all do uh, with the ministry, and then specifically, um, I'll ask you about the the recent campaigns that you guys have had in Albuquerque that I've been following. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Project Defending Life is a pro-life ministry. So everything we do is ministry-based. And so we're actually the largest pro-life ministry in the state of New Mexico. Um, The organization has been around for about almost eight years. Um, Bud and I have been here almost four years. And um, we have, yeah, we have various um, efforts under our banner. Um, We have what we call the Gabriel Project, and that serves as kind of like a a pregnancy center um, element to our ministry. We offer the pregnancy test, the ultrasounds, weekly parenting classes. We have a licensed therapist on staff, and um, Mm -hmm. we do a lot to help our moms. Uh, that we intercept from the abortion clinics and then those who walk in, um, we really try to help them to get on their own feet and Mm -hmm. to help them become independent. And so we, um, you know, we help the moms go back to school if that's what they want to do. We help them find work. Uh, Really, our ministry is really hands up instead of a hand out. And uh, we're very blessed. Yeah, we're very blessed. Um, that God provides, you know, everything that we need to to serve these women through donations and and things mm-hmm. like that. And the Gabriel Project is probably the biggest facet of Project Defending Life. But then, Bud and I are also under that banner, and um, our official ministry is Pro Life Witness, which encompasses, mm-hmm. you know, our heart. 
Um, and we maintain and organize a prayerful presence at all of the local abortion clinics here. Um, mm-hmm. We have three clinics in Albuquerque. So, okay. um, yeah, so we we do that. And then we've had various post-abortion efforts under the banner. And mm-hmm. um, there is a chapel inside of our facility, which is located just 50 feet from the Planned Parenthood Surgical Center. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty comprehensive, and um, it's a, it was started as a Catholic ministry, but Bud and I aren't Catholic, but we do work very closely with the Catholic community, and they're mm-hmm. so incredibly passionate and active, and um, right. they, have a chap- they have a chapel in the center as well, so for the Catholics, they can come to Mass, and then uh, it's really great because then they can just go next door and pray after their um, services. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a really great ministry that's that's really doing a lot here in the state of New Mexico. Neat. That's really awesome. Now, you all um, recently, uh, tell us about the referendum, because I know that you guys have a local um, a, a late-term abortion facility there in Albuquerque, and I know that there's been a lot of issues and concerns in terms of um, the care that women have been received and have have been hurt uh, physically at that abortion facility. Um, Talk to us about this late-term abortion referendum that you guys were trying to get passed in Albuquerque and how that – how that came about because I think that this is um, definitely I, I love talking strategy and the more we can get ideas out there and and understand how what others around the country are doing this can help all of us. Right. Well, let me just set the stage by saying that um, you know Albuquerque is home to the largest late-term abortion facility in the nation. Um, they there's no laws in New Mexico regarding abortion whatsoever, so we do allow abortions up to the day of birth. And uh, mm-hmm. this particular abortion clinic is owned by Curtis Boyd, who um, hopefully most will know as an illegal abortionist before Roe versus Wade, but he's also hired um, two of George Tiller's former late-term abortion specialists. Um, and they, mm. these two women fly in um, alternate weeks throughout the month from California to uh, kill babies through all nine months mm-hmm. of pregnancy. And so um, what we did back in last summer in June, we um, a, a group of local pro-lifers came to the table and um, the previous year, Uh, here in the city of Albuquerque, a a group had done a minimum wage increase referendum. And Mm. um, the way the city charter works here is you can do a petition for direct legislation by collecting a certain amount of signatures, and then once you meet that qualifying threshold, whatever bill that you want to propose to the city will then go on an election ballot and the city can vote on it. And so we mm-hmm. thought, well, hey, let's let's try this to save some babies, you know. And so we looked in the city. Well, we had an, our attorney look into the city charter to see what she thought would be most feasible here. And um, initially we did want to hone in on cl- clinic regulations, but unfortunately you can't do a city ordinance here in the city, um, mm-hmm. you know, to – to regulate abortion clinics. And so our attorney suggested that we piggyback on the Texas law that was very recent, Um, you know, all the hoopla that was entailed with the Texas 
um, 20-week abortion ban that has since closed down several clinics. And so she thought, well, let's piggyback off of the 20-week abortion ban and see what God does with it. And so we got to work. I filed a petition back in June, and um, we had to get 12,000 signatures to get our ordinance on the ballot. God actually Mm. provided us with 27,000 signatures in just 20 days. Wow. So God was definitely behind it. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and then, you know, once we met the requirement, it just kind of turned into a full-out political campaign. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, November 19th was our official election day. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, You know, we gave the city a chance to stand for life. The city did not rise to the occasion, but at the same time, uh, less than 100,000 people voted and we're a city of 400,000 registered voters. Mm. So we we need to, and that's what we're Mm -hmm. doing with our newest campaign that I'm sure we'll talk about. We we just need to get back out there and reach further into the community. But one, one, I mean, several... Several great things came from it, uh, one being just the national exposure. We've now put Albuquerque on the map um, mm-hmm. in terms of late-term abortion, and so many people have been educated within right. our city and across the nation about this atrocity. So Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely know that I was. Um, it brought a lot of attention to to what was going on. And I know that there was a lot of tension, um, particularly leading up to the, to this uh, the election or to this um, referendum voting um, were things pretty pretty heated there, and did you guys go through a lot <laughs> around that time? Yes, I mean it's definitely <laughs> a fierce battle. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, as we all know, abortion advocates do not want to risk losing their sacred cow, so to speak, and so they did come out in full force. And um, mm-hmm. they even actually had Barack Obama's organizing campaign involved in mm. defeating the referendum. So, yes, it was very, it was, you know, ground zero. Um, I guess the thing that, you know, really benefited the other side was that they were organized and they had experience, whereas all of us are, like, ministry-based and, right. you know, um, focused on, helping women and things like that so we're not the political savvy ones and um but i mean we did the best that we could and unfortunately there was a lot of misinformation since they did have barack obama yeah they had barack obama's organizing campaign come in and they had a lot of outside people come in to Mm. do canvassing and things like that um we were hearing reports that they were telling people that the um that the that the ordinance would ban all abortions wow. and to vote against it and um mm-hmm. you know, just all of this misinformation. So right. yeah, it was definitely right. a heated battle. But again, mm-hmm. you know, we we only lost by a ten percent margin, which wow. is actually better than any of the personhood bill um efforts. So yeah. you know it That's was something great. that, yeah, it was something that people could definitely get behind because, let's face it, who who really agrees with abortions after 20 weeks when babies can live outside the womb? Right. 
Um, absolutely, and I, I think you know what you guys started. I mean, it really could grow, and you know, for not having, like you said, the experience and the political savviness. I mean, what a dent you made, and what a you know they had to call in all these people, you know, <laughs> and they had to use yeah. resources, you know, to do that. And um, you know, God blesses your efforts and everything that you did. And again, it um, really encouraged me, and I'm sure a lot of other people as well. Um, let's talk about. Uh, I know we'll get to the to the what you guys are doing now, but um, in terms of the church and um, their response and their uh, going to the ballot, was that a, a problem? Were you encouraged? Um, did you see did you see uh, the presence of the church going out to the ballots um and speaking up for the unborn well i mean there's well okay so we had 38,000 people vote with us mm-hmm. on november 19th and mm-hmm. like i said we're a city of about half a mil- half a million people surely mm-hmm. there's more than 38,000 believers in the city um mm-hmm. so that is a yeah, that's a bit, I mean, it was a bit discouraging. We were definitely encouraged by the churches that did get involved and that mm-hmm. were very vocal in encouraging their members to get out and vote. Um, the Catholic Church was very supportive. The Archbishop came out strong telling the Catholics to get out and vote for it. Um, mm-hmm. We we had the biggest problem with the local mega churches. So okay. right. I don't know really what that says, right. I think. A lot of times the mega churches function more as a business and they don't want to touch what may be construed as more controversial. Absolutely. But, I mean, there were a lot of small churches that were very, very encouraging, that were very passionate, that got out and helped us a lot. But the church has a long way to, to go. Right. That's wonderful, though. You know, it's a start. And, um, I think that, um, you know, you don't know who, what activists are going to raise, you know, are going to rise up out of this, you know, um, yeah, and how God, exactly. how God will use them, you know, and they've heard, heard the truth, and um, it's like you said earlier about your own testimony. It was after you came face to face with the information, you just couldn't, could not do anything, and that was kind of how it was with me as well. So, I mean, yeah, what a, what a wonderful way to um, just get the message out there. So. As far as right now, what are you, what are you guys doing? I know you're doing a lot, but what are some of the things yeah. you're doing now? <laughs> well, we've launched a new campaign. Um, it's called Protest ABQ, and it's kind mm-hmm. of a response to the referendum loss, um, just in terms of you know creating more public awareness, more public outcry, really identifying key players that are helping to keep abortion in New Mexico. Um, and so, again, it's an effort to reach further into the community. We know that so many people are uneducated. And one thing I have heard from local Christians since the election was, I thought we were going to win hands down. And then mm. we will ask them, well, did you go out and vote? No, I didn't. And so um, mm. I think a lot of Christians thought that we would win, and we did too. I mean, we really right. thought that we did because we were banking on the churches. But mm-hmm. it just really shows showed us that we need to reach further in the community. So that's what we're doing with Protest ABQ. We have mm-hmm. select focuses that we're um, going to be honing in on. Uh, one of the biggest abortion giants in our city, apart from the late-term abortion clinic, is the University of New Mexico. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a state-run university that receives tax money 
but they have a freestanding abortion clinic, and they're oh, wow. one of the universities. Yeah, they're one of the universities in the country that are that are actively recruiting and training up and coming abortionists. Oh so Lord. we're focusing a lot on the University of New Mexico. And, again, right. just, you know, as Christians, going out into the community, being visible and mm-hmm. letting our voices be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what the campaign is all about. And I encourage people to visit the Protest ABQ Facebook page. You can see okay. our protests and, um, you know, pray for and us. Protest and baby, you said Protest Baby Hugh? H. No, protest A A B Q. A B Q is short oh, for Albuquerque. <laughs> okay, that's gotcha. okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never think Albuquerque, about that. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's my fault. Whenever no, people no, no are problem. talking about it, they say they say protest Albuquerque, but it's really protest A B Q, just because ABQ. Albuquerque is so long. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no one knows how to spell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, based on what you're telling me, is, is that is uh, New Mexico is it pretty is it pretty liberal? Would you say or pretty or predominantly pro-abortion? Or um, I guess it's hard to say, yeah. but yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is it's it's actually predominantly Catholic, but it's very liberal. Okay. Um, so yeah, so a lot of the Catholics do vote Democrat, and I don't know if okay. they necessarily put two and two together, but because they vote Democrat primarily, it keeps our legislature um, Democrat. And so, right. um, you know, there's a group here, Right to Life, and they are more the political-minded, um, you mm-hmm. know, entity. And so, since excuse me, since 1984, they have brought parental notification up at the legislature, and Mm -hmm. it's never been passed in almost, what is it, 30 years? And Mm -hmm. so um, it's very liberal, and again, uh, UNM is like the major university here in the state, and it also has a hospital that's the the level one trauma center for like our area, the Four Corners area, and You know they're yeah they're they have a really strong you know abort pro abortion agenda at the university so mm-hmm. it is kind of a a big mess here but nonetheless mm-hmm. God is is giving us breakthroughs and victories and um, right. He's definitely at work in all the details right and you know I um <clears throat> I think it's you know a call for us as Christians. You know, we, we a lot of times complain about not, you know, we feel helpless and like we can't do anything. But there's there's things that we can do, and we do need to be involved in the political process. We need to uh, have our voices heard. We don't need to retreat from those areas, because like with your referendum, we there was an opportunity to to send a loud message. And if all the Christians had you yeah. know showed up, we could have you know you could have done that more effectively. So I think sometimes that feeling of helplessness or like I can't do anything as one person. Um, it can be legitimate in, in some senses, but when these opportunities are before us, there's there's always there's opportunities before us that God's given us, and so we need to to definitely support um, what you know what these referendums and uh, whatever in whatever way we can, and so definitely yeah. a call for the church to to uh, get involved in the process and to you know take advantage of our our rights, <laughs> you know, as citizens of this country, so. Um, yeah, there's definitely a 
Oh, I'm sorry. There's definitely a place for everyone in the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. definitely encourage people to get involved. And we have actually seen other cities pick up the mantle um, and Mm -hmm. try to do their own citywide referendum. And so we definitely encourage people to look in their city charter, look to see what they can do locally, and then of course, at the state level, a big thing that is needed is just holding these politicians accountable. Because right. we do actually have, we have Susanna Martinez as our governor, and she ran as a pro-life candidate, but she's completely ignoring the fact that she's a governor of the late-term abortion capital of the nation. Mm. Yeah, so, absolutely. They need to be held accountable. And, um, you know, and Yes, definitely. Everyone listen to research your city, your city charters, and find out what you can do on a local level. Um, it might be as simple as getting enough signatures. And yes, it'd be a lot of work, but if you have a team of people working together, um, that'd be great. You know, if we could get these these movements going. And I love I love this idea and um, of taking our cities back. You know, for Christ, yeah. I absolutely love it. And I, I love what you and Bud are doing. Um, and you know, the lives that are being saved and those who are being equipped and trained and, life, you know, again, lives that are being saved and women who are being spared from abortion. So we completely support you at True Life Fridays Radio and let us know how we can help in terms of getting um, any any messages out. And we will put the um, protect uh, protest ABQ um, up as well on our website and our Facebook page for people to uh, like the page and find out what they can do to help. Definitely, yeah. And our website is prolifewitness.org if anyone would like to contact us. Um, We're more than happy to, yes, we're more than happy to encourage people and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of get the ball rolling with them, whatever they're wanting to do in their city, whether it's, Absolutely. You know, protest, public witness related, or mm-hmm. you know, referendum related. We want to yeah. be um, of assistance in any way possible. Absolutely, reach out to to the shavers. They they are a wealth of knowledge, and um, they will help you um, to get uh, you know to to work and and get these campaigns going. And um, we need to all be actively looking for ways to affect our cities and so definitely reach out to them and get this information and and let's get going you know (laughs) yeah definitely time time is of the essence absolutely lives are at stake and um, we have to be smart and strategic and um, and and use the resources that God has given us and and know what resources are out there and you know we don't have to just throw our hands up in the air Um, use our minds to to think about ways and and to to get this uh, abortion and this situation ended in our in our country and our city. So I, I really appreciate your work, and I'll be continuing to follow you. We'll be um, promoting you again through our website and our Facebook page as well. And we love this. We love connecting people with resources. This is that's what this show is all about. And so um, I thank you, Tara, for taking time out of your schedule to come and be with us. And uh, you know I'm thankful for the ministry uh, of you, you and your husband. And um, God bless your efforts in Albuquerque, and uh, we will continue to support you guys. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. We're very blessed, and um, thanks for all that you're doing to keep the important things in the forefront of people's minds, and may God absolutely. just receive all the glory for everything. May he, yes, absolutely, all to his glory. Well, God bless, and you guys have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much for being on, Tara. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, that was a wonderfully encouraging uh, time, and uh, again, thankful so much for uh, Tara Shaver for coming and being on the air with us, and definitely reach out to them if you have questions. Um, you know, if, if there are things in your mind that maybe maybe you feel helpless in your own city, um, and you don't know um, what resources may be available um, in terms of protesting or uh, city referendums, reach out to them, and, and they will definitely help you in any way that they can. Um, so God bless uh, them and their ministry. And before we end the, the show today, um, I did want to um, let you guys know about a wonderful opportunity that we can um, get involved in spreading the message of uh, what we do here, which is defending the faith and Christian apologetics. And um, you can do this by supporting a, a film that was released today. This is opening weekend, and this movie is in theaters nationwide, and it's called God's Not Dead. And I want to play a little trailer clip for you of the film so that you can kind of get an idea of what to expect when you go to the theaters.
You were just listening to the trailer for God's Not Dead. Again, the movie was released um, in theaters nationwide today, and it is so important for us to go support this movie because what it does is it brings to light what goes on in uh, college uh, classrooms uh, across this country um, in that uh, students are being uh, their faith is under attack and what this movie does is it's an encouragement to those students and to all of us wherever we are to make a stand to make a defense for our faith to stand up and when our god is under attack and when our faith is under attack to be equipped and to be ready and again just to take a stand so definitely go see this movie. Check out the website, godsnotdeadthemovie.com, and find out where it's playing near you. We need to support these films. Um, like we talked earlier, we need to support First Do No Harm, the, this wonderful pro-life film with a wonderful message. We need to support God's Not Dead. When we get these opportunities um, to display to Hollywood what our entertainment choices are, um, we, need to promote, we need to be actively promoting those things that honor and glorify God. Um, just to send a message. So um, go check out God's Not Dead this weekend um, and uh, spread the word as well. So I want to end the show by thanking my wonderful guests who came on today, uh, Mark Cochran with First Do No Harm and Tara Shaver of Project Defending Life. I completely missed my two wonderful co-hosts, Letitia and Thomas, but they, um, and actually Letitia will be traveling next week as well. So um, it will likely be myself next week as well, alone. And I um, hope that I did not uh, disappoint and bore you all today today with my monologue, but um, I'll come back with something next week as well to share. And, again, I pray that everyone has a wonderful weekend. I pray that um, you go see the movie God Sent Dead. I pray that you talk to someone about the message of life in the gospel. And um, I pray above all else that God is glorified. Have a wonderful week, and God bless you all. Thanks so much for being here and supporting us.